Well, have you ever overprepared for anything? The last run-through I did of this sermon was 26 minutes long. All of you just checked your watch. That math checks out at 11.48. I promise to make some edits. All right. Well, in James chapter 1, the writer with the best name in the Bible says this in verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Some really great, really practical words from James. He goes on to say in chapter 2, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And so this morning, just for a few minutes, I'd like for us to think a little bit about our continuing journey of faith. I would guess that a lot of people in this room have a lot of Bible knowledge. If we combined it all, I'm sure it would be pretty impressive. But one of the things that I love that James says here is that it's not just about knowing, it's also about doing. Knowledge is amazing and incredible, and we should pursue knowledge of God But what about belief that moves us forward? What about faith, but also the deeds that go along with it? And so this morning, I want us to think about that for a few minutes as we look at God's Word. Well, as we respond to other people, as we think about what are those deeds, what are the things that we do that shows our faith, I think about the relief that we give to people. What does that mean? Well, relief looks like a lot of things. And I think here at Brentwood Oaks, we are really good at relief. Relief looks like giving to the angel tree or making a magi box at Christmas time. Relief looks like giving money to buy tricycles for a K-4 program at McBee or to send uh, missionaries the support that they need to do their work in Brazil or in Zambia. It means when natural disasters happen that we give of our money to help people recover from those terrible acts. It's being willing to give food to those who may not have enough to make it through the month. And I would say that here at Brentwood Oaks, we are really good at giving relief. Not only that, but I think the body of Christ has to be about relief in this world. We have to be about continually looking for opportunities to help people in their time of need to help them make it through. Relief will always cost us our money. Relief costs us those moments of time. But really, what I want us to think about is, can we move from being people who are great at offering relief to being people who work at relationship. Relief costs us resources. Relationship costs us more. It costs us time, energy, and our money. Relationship is far messier than relief. Relief gives help and then leaves. Relationship invests in people's lives. It rejoices together in the good times and sits in the disappointments together. Relationship doesn't see people as opportunities for relief, but rather it sees every person as a beloved child of God and does their best to treat them as such, no no matter their background, no matter their financial status, no matter their level of education. Relationship seeks to know someone, not just help someone. 
Relief, in my mind, is the first step. And relationship is the next step. Well, Jesus is all about relief and relationships. He never just heals. He never just gives the people what they need in that moment. But he seeks to see and know people. He looks for the opportunity to connect. And in fact, for Jesus, the healing, the relief, is only part of the interaction. And so I want us to look this morning briefly at three different stories of Jesus And then I want to tell you a couple of stories, and then we'll be done this morning. Sound good? You're all still awake, right? I know my voice, once I get to talking, it just sounds the same over and over, but just want to make sure we're good. In John chapter 8, there's this beautiful story that Jesus is teaching in the temple courts, and uh, and this woman is brought in by the Pharisees. She's been caught in the act of adultery. And so they bring this woman before Jesus, who's been teaching this crowd, and They say she's been caught doing what she shouldn't be doing. The law says we should stone her. What do you say, Jesus? And Jesus bends down. He writes something in the dirt. Really want to know what that was. He stands up and he says, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he writes some more in the ground. One by one, people drop their rocks and walk away, seeing what Jesus is saying to them, knowing that they have their faults as well. And at, one, at, that, at a certain point, everyone but Jesus and this woman are still there. He asks her, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. Jesus gives this incredible relief, this moment when this woman was going to be killed by the bludgeoning of rocks, Jesus brings relief. But he doesn't just stop there. He sees her in this moment. He talks to her and he challenges her to continue on and live a life free of sin. Relief and relationship. In Mark chapter 5, if you want to turn over there, there's a story of Jesus driving out a demon. He shows up on the shores of the Gerasenes, and when he does, this man who's possessed with demons is there. They have a conversation, and in fact, at one point in verse 9, Jesus asks him, what is your name? I wonder how many people had asked that question to this person. Maybe not so many In the years of this possession. They go back and forth. Jesus casts out the demon and demons into this large herd of pigs. The people are freaked out by it. Who wouldn't be seeing that sight? They leave. And in that moment, this man, free of the demons, and it says In verse 15, when they came back, when the people who had tended the pigs came back to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. It says they were afraid. What an incredible scene that must have been. As Jesus, the man begs to go with him, Jesus says, no, instead go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy 
on you. Jesus gives relief in the form of casting out these demons, changing this man's life. But he also sits with him and talks with him. In fact, so much so that this man, feeling so much gratitude, longs to go with Jesus. And he says, no, you've got a different place to be. Jesus brings relief and relationship. And finally, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. He has sores all over his skin, all over his body, and he falls down in front of Jesus with this crowd around him. I'm sure everybody scooted back rather quickly. And he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And I love what it says in verse 13. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Such a beautiful moment of relief that all these sores that are all over this man are now gone. Not sort of, not kind of, but 100% totally. But he doesn't just provide relief. In that moment, he puts his hand on the man with leprosy. The one that's considered unclean. The one that would make Jesus ceremonially unclean. He puts his hand on this person. Someone that no one has touched for a very long time. Jesus not only provides the relief he needs, but in that moment he connects with him. And takes that next step forward. Relief is easy on some level. Relief means that we get to give and then back up. But I want to challenge all of us to think about this idea of relationship. Are we willing to sit in difficulty with others? Are we willing to walk alongside them even when it takes our time and our resources? I think that class that Stan and Marquita will teach this summer would be a really interesting thing to think about. How we help others and how we help the body of Christ. Well, here's what I'll say for relationship, and then we'll be just about done. I think that relationship always makes an impact on those that we get to know. And so I've got two stories I'll share with you about that. First uh, is about Evan Gruis. Uh, This is Evan. He doesn't look like the Michelin man here. Um, And this is his buddy, Messiah. Yes, his name is Messiah. Messiah, um, on our mission trip to Tulsa, Messiah was uh, a handful. Is that fair, Evan? Yeah, just a bit. Sometimes you get the buddy that's real docile and just wants to chill with you, and sometimes you get the buddy that runs. And Evan got a buddy that ran. I'm sure you probably ran about five miles that day chasing Messiah all over the contact church building. He was wild and unruly, maybe on purpose, You know, when you have a lot of hurt in your life and people have left you over and over, maybe you test people before you're really willing to open up. And maybe, maybe you're waiting to see if they will stick around. Day one, a lot of running. Uh, I was actually driving a van route that Messiah was on. uh, And so I I picked him up and brought him that first day and I thought, whoo Okay, Uh, and so I asked Evan at the end of that first day, will you ride in this van with us? 
to help with Messiah. And he, of course, was kind and said, yes, I'll do that. And from that point on, Messiah was a different kid. Was he still running? A little bit. Was he still a little bit wild and unruly? Can't change that much overnight, can you? But the difference that Evan made in Messiah's life was noticeable, noticeable at the end of the week. It was beautiful to watch the calmness and the peace that he felt knowing Evan wasn't going to go anywhere. He would be his buddy for the week. Relationships always make an impact on those that we get to know. When we invest our time and our energy, it does make an impact. I think about one more story. Uh, Today we're going to celebrate Academy 4 and thank our volunteers for all their hard work. I think about the story of Allie Knight and her buddy Allison from last year. This is Allison on the left and Allie on the right. A lot of you know Allie. Um, Last year, they were mentor and mentee and built a good relationship. Well, when school started in August and Allie, uh, or excuse me, when Allison um, came back to school, she was despondent. She would put her head down on the desk and cover her head. She wouldn't talk to anybody. Everything was just off. And so the people at McBee were trying to figure out how can we help her. And so they would do all sorts of things. They would try to get her to talk to different teachers. And her grades were starting to slip. And it wasn't good. And they talked to the parents. They talked to people all around trying to help. And finally, in, in, in an exasperating point, they said, well, who will you talk to? And she quickly said, I'd like to talk to Allie, my mentor from last year. It's not a common thing. That happens in Academy 4, but Lane called Allie, said, would you come and meet with Allison? And she did, and again, and again. And for the last few months of this school year, Allie has been meeting regularly with Allison. And do you know what happened? It's the funniest thing. She wasn't putting her head down on her desk anymore. Her grades weren't slipping. And she became a stellar student once more. Relationships really matter. And they really make a difference. And I think as the body of Christ, we should continue to be about relief in all ways and shapes and forms that that takes. But there's something beautiful about taking that next step and saying, I'm willing not just to give you what you need in this moment, but I want to walk with you through what you're going through. That is beautiful. That is taking knowledge and turning it into belief. That's taking faith and turning it into works. And it is creating the community and the body of Christ that God longs for us to be. And so how will you be someone who not only continues to look for opportunities to give, to give relief, but who looks for those opportunities to build relationships and walk through pain, heartache, hard times with those who need it? 
I hope that as we continue to move forward, we continue to let God shape us and mold us into who we need to be, that we will be attentive to those opportunities he gives us to create and build relationship. If you are working at taking those next steps in your faith, we want to help you and we want to be a part of that. If there's a way that we can pray for you this morning, we'd love to do that. If you'd love to put Christ on in baptism, we'd love to help you with that. Whatever we can help you with, we ask that you come and let us know that while we stand and while we sing this song together.